We've got an enemy. And the enemy, the word of God tells us, is real. He is roaming, and he's seeking someone to devour. Well, you are someone. I am someone. My children are someone's. Your children and grandchildren. And this enemy wants to devour us. But for all who are in Christ, the word of God tells us how we're to fight. How we're to fight and resist in this spiritual warfare. And as we come to the table today, which is one part of fighting, you're going to see two words that are very important. One is the word resist, but there's a word that comes before resist that we must pay very careful attention to. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're in two passages of scripture today. The first is from 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, and then James 4, 7 through 8. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now James 4. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As we open your word, Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate these words, that we would be made different because of what we hear, that we would leave here confident in what you have taught us, confident in this battle not fearing our enemy, being alert and sober, but not afraid. Father in heaven, we ask that you would do this for your glory's sake and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many Christians know that when we're engaged in the battle, that the word of God tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And now, if you haven't been here for a few weeks, this is the final sermon on a little mini-series on spiritual warfare. The last sermon is focused on how we are to engage this battle, how we are to fight. And you hear the word resist. And as we hear that word, we often have a misunderstanding about what it means. We actually also have a misunderstanding of what comes before it. So I want you to pay attention to this. James 4 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil. So before you and I can resist the devil, something else must happen, and that's rest. Now, when we hear the word rest, we immediately think sleep or nap, something that's come out of physical exhaustion. That's not actually what I'm talking about. That's important, but that's not what I'm talking about. Rest here is centered upon this idea of submission and this idea of humility. Look again, James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. So before we could ever resist the devil, 
We have to submit ourselves to God. And submission to God requires humility. Look with me at 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So before we ever consider resisting, before we ever consider engaging with our adversary, something must happen first, and that is submission. And this is very important. Submission to God, resting in God, has an initial submission. The initial submission is when a child, a young adult, an older adult, doesn't matter, comes to saving faith. It's a moment where an individual who is not a Christian professes faith in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. It is a submission, an initial submission to what God's word says about life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. If you today would say you're a Christian, it's because at some point in your life, whether you're younger or older, someone explained that to you. And behind the scenes, the Holy Spirit was at work causing you to have an initial submission where you said, I submit to the truth of God's word. In other words, I receive God's word and I rest in what it says. New members class started today. A number of weeks from now, they'll begin to meet with our elders and tell their story of rescue. And then they're going to answer the five questions that every member of this church answers. One of those questions says this. It says, do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation? Receive and rest. That's what this is about. Before we ever move towards resisting something, we have to rest in what God's word says. Rest in the promises that God has given us. There is something more, though, than the initial submission. For those who have the initial submission, who come to saving faith in Christ, then there is the ongoing submission. The ongoing submission is where we maintain a posture of humility and submit ourselves ongoing to the Word of God. In other words, we continue to rest and submit to what God's Word says. We rest in his promises. We rest in the blood of Jesus. We rest in the cross. We rest in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that is humbling. Humbling because we realize that we can't do this on our own. We realize that even though we know the truth, we continue to struggle to obey the truth. Humility is good though. Jonathan Edwards says, Nothing sets a man so out of the devil's reach as humility. He doesn't want you to hear this, so lean in. Nothing sets a man so out of the devil's reach as humility. And humility is saying, I rest and I surrender to God and his holy word. Rest, though, is not passive, and it's not weak. A lot of times we tend to think it is. Rest is not passive and weak. 
Rest is the endurance of setting before a holy God saying, I will listen to your word. I will obey your word. I will let nothing come in the way. That rest, that submission must happen first. And when it does, then we move to resist. Many Christians have been discipled wrongly about the word resist. I want to say that again. Many Christians have been discipled wrongly about the word resist. Because Christians often think the word resist means to run. They think the word resist means to play defense. They think the word resist means to dig a foxhole and bury yourself in it. It doesn't mean that. In the Greek language, this word resist is an offensive term. It is an aggressive posture. It is a march standing up and rising and going to the enemy. That's what it means to resist. Resisting in the biblical way means we're not supposed to run from Satan. We can't outrun him anyway. He's not omnipresent, but he's active. And there's so many demons the word of God tells us. But the good news is we were never called to run from him. We're called to resist him. And to resist him means to stand up strong in the powerful name of Christ, strong resting in his holy word, being comfortable with the spiritual armor that we have and resting in what that armor is and what God says about it. For example, in Ephesians 6, Paul says, he talks about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. He says, hold up the shield of faith. The shield of faith, he says, is able to extinguish every flaming dart of the evil one. Not some darts. Not only a few, but everyone. The arrow of pride. The arrow of lust. The arrow of appearance. The arrow of self-righteousness. The arrow of greed. The arrow of selfishness. Whatever you are most tempted with, by the way, which is common to all men, whatever it is you're tempted with, the word of God tells us to hold up the shield of faith, which is able to extinguish every flaming dart of the evil one. That's how we resist. We resist not by running. Yes, we're called to flee temptation, but that's not the same thing. Fleeing temptation means I'm not going to put myself in certain situations. But we're never told to flee Satan. We're told to resist him, to stand against him. And then what does God's word say will happen? Look with me at James. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, God's word says that. Do you rest in that promise? When you face temptation in those flaming arrows, do you rest in the promise that that shield of faith can extinguish every flaming dart? Do you rest in the promise that if you resist him, stand up against him, that he will flee? That's what the word of God says. And so this is the way that works. When we rest in God initially, that means we're saved. Are you saved? Today, as you sit here listening to me, are you confident 
that at some point in your life, you have rested in Jesus alone for salvation. If you haven't, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. That's good to know. You may be here because you're interested in seeking and we welcome you. But only those who have had that initial submission, that initial resting, I trust in you and you alone, Jesus, for my salvation, are saved. And you can, have, you can be a woman or a man who's grown up in the church and never had that initial submission. So today, make sure you're listening. Make sure that that initial submission has taken place. And if it is not, and you want to know the assurance of salvation, then today, before you come to this table, pray for salvation. And I'll show you how in a minute. If you already know Christ, if you've had that initial submission, then you know the reality of what it means to be under attack. You know what it's like to feel those flaming darts. But are you resting in him? Are you resisting the enemy by resting in him? our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. When you fall, and we all do, when that shield is dropped or when we drop our sword, which is the word of God, and those arrows penetrate and temptation moves from temptation to sin, then what do we do? We simply repeat. Christianity is repetitive in a good way. It's us going through the repetition of remembering that we have to rest again that once again we have the ongoing submission, that once again we say, yes, Jesus, your grace is sufficient, your power is made perfect in weakness. Yes, Jesus, I need to eat and drink of your body and blood. Yes, Jesus, I need these means of grace. And so we come to the table knowing that that is true. One final thing before we come. One of the great ploys of the enemy is to make you feel alone. And even in a church this big with this many people who really want to know Jesus, and even with many small groups and communities, it is easy to feel very alone. Very alone in your struggle. In fact, the enemy wants you to think that you alone are the one in the struggle. Or he wants you to think that you can't um, tell anybody your struggle. And what he uses there is fear. And many Christians in this city have put down the shield of faith when it comes to fear, fear of man. The appearance of others, what they think about me, what they would think if I said I struggle with, fill in the blank, leads many people to doing nothing except waging war on that flesh, that enemy, the world, and their own strength. And that's an evil ploy. How do you break that? You break that by repeating this, by resting in God's word, by resting in the finished work of Jesus, our victor, who said, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. This summer in June, one of my favorite moments of the summer, a young man asked if he could come and meet with our elders. He was coming because another elder had told him that he needed prayer. This young man had confessed the sin of lust and images that he was truly consumed by. He couldn't fight it. The shield was down. The arrows were coming. He tried so many things, and finally he said, I'm stuck. I need help. There's a stronghold in my life. And they begin to meet one-on-one. 
And then this elder said, you need to come before our elders that they may pray for you. Now that's scary. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. But it's scary because we have an enemy that wants to devour us. That enemy wants to keep us in isolation. He wants us to think nobody else can know and I need to keep it to myself. But he didn't. He resisted those lies. He stood up against the enemy and he came on a Monday night before a group of about 30 men and he confessed his sin and he confessed his struggle. And the elders, we took oil and we anointed him and we laid hands on him and we prayed for God's mercy and power to overwhelm him as he seeks to rest in God alone as he seeks to resist the lies of the enemy. That man has experienced an incredible work of the Spirit in his life through the fellowship of others who love him. He knows that this may be a battle he has the rest of his life, but he's no longer afraid to say, it is a battle, and he really is real, and he really is roaming, and he really wants to kill me. And if you right now are struggling with something, and you're not willing to seek help, is that what you want your children to do when they're struggling with maybe the same thing? Do you want them to live in that same fear? Brothers and sisters, that's the lie that comes from the pit of hell. It's our adversary's favorite. Whatever it is that you struggle with, whatever arrows are being shot at you, they're being shot at others too. God's word tells us to rest in him. He tells us to rest on his finished work, that we are victors in Christ, that the powerful Holy Spirit, his resurrection power lives in us. He tells us to not give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He tells us to rest in him on his finished work, on his promises, his word. And he tells us to resist. The great picture of the church is that we don't resist in isolation, but we resist with shields of faith going up, connected to one another deeply with these common arrows flying at us. And when we feel afraid or like we can't keep the shield up, we look to another who says, remember to rest in his word. Remember what his word says. Resist him knowing that if you do, he will flee. And he will. He'll flee to fight another battle. And when he returns, what do you do? Repeat. Rest in his word. Resist him. If today you are here and you know you have not had that initial that, that first submission to God, that coming to faith, I want to invite you to listen to the prayer I'm going to pray. And if the Lord puts it on your heart today to pray for salvation, pray a very similar prayer. The table that we're coming to is a table for Christians, for those who have prayed that prayer, who are saved. It's not a Presbyterian table. It's not a PCPC table. It is for all who have professed faith, who have received Jesus, who rest in him alone for their salvation. If you come to the table, it's because you've been saved. And if you come as one saved, come with joy. Come with humility. 
Come knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Come knowing that in the powerful name of Jesus, you can rest and resist the enemy. Come expectantly. And as you come, seek to come as a follower of Jesus, saved by his grace, saved for his glory. You really are in his grip. And nothing, not even the gates of hell, can take that away. Father in heaven, if there are any here this morning, Lord, that don't have a saving relationship with you, I pray that you would bring them to saving faith even now. Dear friend, if that is you, simply tell Jesus, talk to him, just as I am, that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that you now believe there is only one who can save you from your sins. Jesus Christ is the one who was sent to die for you who are in Christ. Pray to him. Receive him. Rest on him alone for your salvation. Lord, hear those prayers. For those who have prayed that perhaps a week ago or many years ago, would you restore to us the joy of knowing our salvation, your gift to us. And as we come to this table, would you feed us that we actually might leave this place unable to stop speaking about that which we've seen and heard. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.